Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, and joining me from a literal woodshed, it's Lincoln Shrike. Good morning, Lincoln. Hey, good morning. Yeah, got a lot of uh, wooden canvases uh, to my to the outside. I was going to say the, what direction, but <clears throat> I can't really. I guess it's my left. <clears throat> Sorry. Some things never change. I fumble the intro and then I have to clear my throat. It just, it's always the same. Uh, yeah, you could call it a woodshed. We have a lot of uh, wooden canvases here that are ready to become paintings. So a lot, a lot good times to be had in the hype shed. Mm-hmm. No, it's changed. The name is officially now the woodshed. I like that better. I think the it woodshed. fits your persona mm-hmm. a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com is the email address. You can find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen or on flowtrack.org slash podcasts. This is going to be the only episode of the week where we talk about something current, unless there's crazy breaking mm-hmm. news, because after this, we're going to reflect on the year that was. But we had a marathon yesterday in Arizona, the project to cap off the year. So we're going to talk about some, some takeaways from that race, uh, Lincoln. We'll get it out of the way right now at the top, though. Both you and I lost to Gordon in mm-hmm. the fantasy draft here. Uh, I'm a little disappointed. I, I attribute it to one erroneous pick on my part. Uh, what do you blame your loss on? Yeah, the the thing with Gordon was obviously gracious in victory. That's all the way he always reacts to things as such. Um, listen, on my side, I had... I had Martin Hare on my team. He won. I had Colin Benny. He got third. I made the mistake of, as any amateur marathon predictor would do, you look at the guys with the fast, fastest PRs, and even if they haven't run fast in a couple of years, you just you can sometimes get tempted into them. And uh, the the top guy TK, yeah, they they didn't even show up. So. Um, that was cool. Um, that's what I attribute my, my mistakes, my issues to, um, I guess you could look at it as I, I put a lot of faith also in CJ Albertson, who we'd had in the pod, uh, you know, a little over a week ago, 
he was never really in it and maybe it just wasn't his day or maybe the 209 was a little bit on the, on the treadmill was a little bit fool's gold but i'm still coming away feeling okay because i did have martin Hare on my team i did have colin binney on my squad so i wasn't completely made to look a fool here i just a couple of my guys did you know they just didn't make it they didn't show up so what, what can mm-hmm. you do they missed the bus quite literally yeah, yeah. I have, I guess, fewer excuses. Mine was just a more of a drafting issue on my on my part. But yeah, you rode you rode the Syracuse train pretty well there. Your number one pick wasn't your number one guy, or even your number two guy. It ended up being someone you picked. You picked Marty pretty late, didn't you? Um, I think he was my third, third or okay. fourth pick. Um, cause I went with Albertson and then I went with the, the Eritrean with the, the fastest PR who didn't end up racing. I kind of wish he would have reached out, but you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, and I, I, yeah, I think a lot of people, um, I think I, or I think to Martin Hare made a lot of sense, not necessarily did I think he was going to run 208.59 and run away with this, but you talk about, you know, he had a good run at the trials and he, uh, I forgot to mention, but, you know, he mentioned, I think, a post-race tweet, you know, he had to use the bathroom in Atlanta. So he had to, be like, had to come to a complete stop and use the facilities yeah. uh, and still had a good race there. So, you know, you take that out and you get another 10 months of fitness in. Um, he is, uh, he's got a bright future in the marathon, and he went ahead and, and showed that too. And it just is an incredible thing, considering he is somebody who's in medical school full-time and is doing clinicals mm-hmm. at, at – in the ICU during the, this peak of this horrific COVID uh, pandemic. Uh, it's quite the story, but yeah, what a future he has in the marathon. I'm kind of excited to see what he can do next. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to him and the other takeaways yeah. of the men's race in a little bit. Let's start though with the women. I jotted down some takeaways, but I'm curious, what was the main thing that you learned on Sunday in the women's race? Well, as far as this group, separate from Des Linden, separate from, I guess you could say, the, the, the three who made the um, made the Olympic team, um, and maybe you put Molly Huddle and Emily Sisson, although they've been, you know, so far inconsistent in the marathon. Sarah Hall's in a class of her own right now. Uh, you could, you know, it's, it's difficult because when you could easily say right now, if she had finished in the top three in Atlanta, I think unquestionably you'd be like, she's the best marathoner in the country right now. There's no question. I think that's still the case um, because when she is at her best, she is absolutely the best in the country. She got, becomes the second fastest in in uh, U.S. history behind Dina Castor. Went for the record, was on pace at halfway. So, um, you know, she's running very, very confidently. Um my takeaway is not that I want to overhaul the U.S. system. The trials format works. It's a bummer that she didn't finish. But, I, I, you know, you just kind of – you are a little disappointed that we don't get to see her on an Olympic stage. That's the format, and that's what you have to deal with. But I'm – you know, it's just frustrating that somebody who's running so confidently, who can recover so well, who can get second in London and come back and run 220-32 here. It's a bummer that, that she's not going to be at the Olympics. Uh, you know, that's a, I don't want to waste too much time on that because we've known for 10 months that that's not going to be the case. But it's further emphasizing. It's like, man, we are missing out on, on a real chance to medal here with, with Sarah Hall, the way she's running when she's running well. Because, uh, you know, clearly this was a good women's, women's field. Now, it maybe didn't live up to the hype 
you know, not as many women ran fast on this level of maybe what the men did, but she, she is, uh, from the beginning was on a different level. I mean, you know, put Kellen Taylor in the blender early and like cost Kellen Taylor probably a place in several minutes from her time just by going out so hard. Um, Sarah Halls is running incredibly right now, and it's just a shame she's not going to be at the Olympics. Yeah, I don't want to spend a lot of time on the Olympics, not Olympics thing. I think that's we've covered that ground before. I don't think we need to <laughs> rerun the trials. The trials were in Atlanta in February. Everybody agreed on the start time and end time. If it yeah. wasn't for a once in every hundred years event, we would have had the Olympics before Sarah Hall ran uh, yeah. these last couple of marathons. So you never would have even known that that's what she was going to do. And I mean, she clearly thrives in the time trial setting because if you look at, at those results, they're otherworldly. And then you look at New York and Boston and she hasn't had a, or the Olympic trials, she hasn't had a great race yet there. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from what she did on Sunday, which was mighty impressive. You know, 220.32. 220.32 and running very aggressively, although running smart too. She didn't go out over her head. You know, she went out mm -hmm. under 70 minutes, but didn't slow down that much. My main takeaway from this is this racing frequently thing, it works for her. It's not a gimmick. It clearly is is effective because you look over her last you know her, her 2020 obviously there was a space there because of the, the the pandemic but outside of the trials she's been running really well i mean in august mm -hmm. she runs 68 minutes and a half then october she runs 222 and then december she runs 220 and those were only what 10 weeks apart from october november to, to december little less actually i think so i mean the, the racing frequently thing works i'm curious if she's paving the way for more people to do it not in the yuki kauchi manner because y yuki would have done you know, six seven marathons and as cj albertson brought up sometimes yuki's running those as as training runs he, he enters he knocks out a 219 does some strides yeah. and that's sunday then uploads to strava and he's all good but like sarah hall's going for it in all these races and mm -hmm. it's not just marathons she's throwing in you know 25 k's and half marathons and 10 miles and all this stuff is in there so she seems to have found the form the thing that's too bad for her situation is with the spring marathons all canceled it's going to be a whole nother year before we get to see her really get after it unless there's some sort of second tier marathon or non-major marathon that she can get into in the spring maybe to, cha to chase the record again but it's but yeah like i know people say we don't like to chase times we're about you know out there going for places i think the number one goal for her now though is that american record because she's shown that she can get pretty close and if there's no major marathon and no olympic team to contend for in the first half of next year why not give that a shot yeah I mean, is it's awfully quick. Is Dubai canceled in January? Are they not doing that? I'm not sure. I know she's running the rack half, so she's probably going to go for, I would guess, the American record there in the half marathon in, in Saudi yeah. Arabia in the first part of the year. It makes sense for her to, to, to chase these marks. Yeah. And that's cool. Yeah, and yeah. I think, you know, there's several things that make her unique. One, I mean, she is 37, so she's clearly on the – 
probably the last half decade of her career. Maybe, maybe she'll keep going well into her mid forties, but you know, it, she does, she's racing frequently, probably as frequently as she does, maybe doesn't make sense for a younger athlete with a lot of years left to go. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also for her, you know, I don't think this can be overstated. I, I think the the carbon fiber shoes, I don't want to put too much time in this. I know I, a lot of people will roll their eyes at saying, you know, they're, they'll either say, well, the shoes are clearly benefiting her more than others, or they'll say the opposite end of the spectrum. Oh, they're just shoes. Everybody has wearing them. But it seems like a lot of people say the recovery is quicker off these shoes. And maybe, maybe that's mm-hmm. really uh, especially so for her. Um, I do think it's a mindset type of a thing as well. Like we've got is so ingrained that marathoners, you run two a year, you know, you have to have a mm-hmm. full, you know, a two weeks off afterwards and then a, and then a 12 week buildup, you know, for a lot of people, if you're not injured, I think that's probably too cautious. Right. And that's, mm-hmm. if you're, if you're eager and impatient and you want to race more and you, you see these opportunities go by and you're not worried about the, you know, the, the risk factor of it, you know, she's not going to be worried as much at, at her, this point in her career of, well, maybe I'll pick up an injury here or there, or maybe I won't be fully peaked at that. Well, she's not going to worry about this, especially during this this season of which, you know, kind of the stakes are much lower simply because it's been a pandemic and, every, you know, you don't know where everyone's at physically. Well, she's going to take advantage of that by just showing up at every, at every opportunity and, uh, I, I, you don't want to say any, this situation has been beneficial for her, but you know, it is kind of a year for her to, to thrive when there's so much uncertainty elsewhere. She'll just show up and say, well, I, I'm the best, maybe one of the best in the world at, at frequently ma- racing marathons. And, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's, that's showing. And, and it's, she's fitter than she's ever been too, which is, which is nuts, but um, you know, good on her for continuing to do this. It's, it's, uh, we could use a, a male equivalent on the, on the U S side. I mean, this would be like, I don't know if you could say Galen Rupp, but you know, it'd be like somewhat if like Rupp was just like, I race every, every two months in a marathon, mm-hmm. like that would be yeah. awesome. <laughs> We're not going to expect that. Cause he does, he, he's, he, that's never been his plan, but it, it's, uh, my, my biggest takeaway is, is just how much fun this is that somebody's willing to do this and, and also yeah. that it's possible. And that maybe not everybody, not every pitcher can go out and throw 120 pitches game in, game out and be okay and still have a, still have an arm left at the end of the season. But she's one of those. She's the, she's the, she's the workhorse that can, that can handle it. And uh, it is possible and not everybody has to do the two marathon in a year and two, two half marathons. That's it for a marathon or that she's bucking that trend entirely. And that's, it's cool to see. It makes sense that it's not the same way for every person. Exactly. Because human bodies are all different. And you see it in shorter distances on the track. Everybody takes a different approach to how they race. Usain mm-hmm. Bolt didn't race as much as LaShawn Merritt raced. You know, Safan Hassan has different racing tendencies than, than Shelby Houlihan. But you're right. There was this group think, I think, in the marathon. Everybody was in lockstep of how to do it. And she and some other people have done it too. It's not like she's the, she's the first person to do it. Um, but they've gotten into this, this more freewheeling aspect, which I think is with, I think is pretty cool. Another person mm-hmm. who sort of has that a little bit of that vibe, or at least has just been running really well in 2020, the runner up Kira D'Amato mm-hmm. ran two, 222 
56. Um, I don't know what else to say about her. We've talked about her so much this year just because she's been racing so frequently, be it when she ran that 1504 5K time trial in the beginning of the year uh, all the way through until now. She set massive PRs at everything she did. The only thing she didn't get to do was run that Fest 10,000 at the track meet a couple weeks ago because she had food poisoning, which I think would have been probably the most interesting result, Lincoln, because that would have been in an event where she could have actually made the Olympic team. This 222, I think if they reran the trials next year, we'd say D'Amato can 100% make the team, but they're not rerunning the, the marathon trials next year. They're running the 10K yeah. and the 5K. So we didn't get that one result from her, but my goodness, across the board, she's just had a, a unbelievable, unfathomable 2020. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, I think the remarkable thing is she's obviously proved herself to be one of the best distance runners in the U S but she kind of continues to exceed expectations, you know, running to 20, what'd she run yesterday? 222. Uh, look at the exact time. Yeah. 222.50. Um, she ran smart too. This wasn't a case of somebody, you know, you, you would have thought, okay, now everyone kind of understands what Kiara D'Amato is all about. Maybe she's really going to go for this and, and, you know, either hit or really, really miss, but she ran very, very intelligently and was rewarded with a, with a really good time. It, yeah. You know, the marathon is just a, it was just about getting a big PB for her um, mm -hmm. and obviously improving her fitness, but the 10,000, we continue to get example after example. I mean, she's a real contender to, 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 to be an Olympian. Uh, it's, it's an incredible story just where she's come from and, and where she's at now, just to be an afterthought to, to somebody who's a, who's a real contender, somebody who hasn't ever been a factor at an, you know, I guess you got 15th of the trials in the marathon, but that's not really a factor. Mm -hmm. um, to, 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 you just don't get these coming out of nowhere stories, particularly for someone who's 36, uh, that, that just doesn't happen. Um, but she is continuing to reinforce that she is legitimate with each race. And, um, it's going to be fun to watch her next, you know, this upcoming summer in, in the in the ten thousand. Because, with like we said, with every performance, it's it's more and more proof like that. I mean, not that you really can fluke a good time in a distance race, but there were <laughs> some right. elements early on where you're like, you could kind of explain it away. It's like, well, it was a good five thousand. There was no pressure, and then the, she won that like ten thousand that wasn't very fast in the summer. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean, that was probably hot and. You know, <laughs> Sorry if I broke up there. Yeah, no, I'm sure the last point was amazing. Uh, it was excellent. one other thing I want. <laughs> yeah, and that's the secret to running. Uh, mm -hmm. One other thing I want to touch on: just the third and fourth place finishers in this race. Before we move on to the men's race, Kellen Taylor two twenty five, twenty two. Emma Bates two twenty five forty. They got there from different directions, though. As you mentioned, Taylor went out with Hall under seventy minutes, whereas Bates was with Damato and Steph Bruce. In that second group, uh, Bruce ended up dropping out. So uh, Bates kind of closed on on Kellen Taylor, the back cap. I guess it just shows you how fast going out, <laughs> how hard it is to go out sub seventy because uh, yeah. Taylor had a big time positive split on the on the back end there. But you know the top four that we expected, I thought Bruce would be in there uh, as well. But when you have a time trial like setup, this is what you get. You don't get Olympic trials type results where it's, whoa, that's a, that's a huge shocker. You got the people you thought were going to be there, save for one exception. 
props to Kellen Taylor for going for it. Uh, and I understand she came home in like five minutes slower in the second half, but mm-hmm. ooh, that's a painful way to really test yourself. And, uh, <laughs> You know, like we like we mentioned, you know, in the U.S., there's just had there are not that many opportunities to run like this. There's no regular race on the circuit that's like a Dubai, that's like a Berlin in the U.S. Chicago's mm-hmm. pretty fast, but you know, it's it, it's not a it's not a situation like this where it's clearly the whole design is just to run as fast as possible, and you don't get all these Americans coming up. Uh, you know, running the same time. And and she just said, I'm just going to go for it. And, you know, pain be damned. And, you know, if I blow up, I blow up. And she did blow up a little bit, but third is still, still a good day from her. And, uh, you know, she's another person that can make the 10,000 team. So this is just another workout for her going, trying to, uh, get set for, for the trials in the 10,000. So, uh, it was good. But part of the, again, made, made the, oh, sorry. part of the thing that made the women's race disappointing was that it was just the Sarah Hall show pretty much the whole time. So at least Kellen Taylor tried to go for it, tried to make it a mm-hmm. race instead of just settling and saying, you know, whatever, Sarah Hall's on a different level. No, she tried to go for it and she blew up, but not catastrophically so. Yeah. Well, I thought heading into this thing, I thought it was going to be more competitive, but that's because I didn't. I didn't think somebody was going to run 220. I thought the winning time would be 221 high or, or 222 low. Oh, really? And then we'd have a. You didn't think Paul would run this run. fast? Not until she started talking about it. Then once she started yeah. talking about it, I thought, okay, but a month ago, did I think the American record was under threat? No. Two weeks ago, did I think the American record was under threat? No. I mean, she ran, I guess we should have thought that because she runs 222 in London and did a lot of that by herself in not very good weather. So then you come back. Yeah. And you have an even better course, uh, better weather, and you think, okay, maybe she can do it. But also, there's the the turnaround thing, and I'm still, again, I'm still ingrained in those old school ways of thinking, like you said, of two marathons a year. So I think, oh, someone's running another marathon ten weeks later. There's no guarantee it's going to be better. In fact, there's a good chance it's going to be worse. But Sarah Hall has changed my my, my thinking on that. So I, I guess I should have thought that. But I, that's why I thought it would be more bunched up together. I didn't think Sarah Hall would win by this much. Yeah. Yeah, we shouldn't take for granted, though, what she's able to do. Because look what happened with Jared Ward. Jared Ward also ran London, and that was on a short buildup. And then he comes back and runs this, and it, it he blows up over the second half. It's remarkable yeah. what she's able what she's able to do in, in recovery. And, you know, uh, just the, the mental approach, too. It's tough, to, I think, to run that many races and to get up for a London and then try to come back for this. And it's remarkable that she can do this. Um, yeah, because like I said, the, the didn't you well, know Jared Jared Ward was disastrous over the second half, and you have to consider well, that, that was a product a product of him running two marathons within two months. Most people can't do it. Yeah, well, and the first one with Jared was on a really short notice. He didn't know about it. Remember, mm-hmm. and he said, "Okay, I'm just going to do it because heck, this is a great opportunity. I'm just going to go for it." It just goes to show that everybody has a different system. Jared Ward probably fits better into the two marathons a year the half marathon prep race before that traditional bread and butter setup, because this 2020, I mean, even if you go back to the trials, which I know he had a big build up there too, but 2020 was not, not good for him. He got that win over Jake Riley in the virtual 5k, which I thought would catapult him to uh, <laughs> something well, well below 210. But yeah, it, he, he needs that. It seems like he needs that. Uh, and he's a science minded guy. So I'm sure he'll 
crunch the numbers and go back and, and figure out what went wrong. But it's, but just from the outside, it looks like, Hey, that's a guy who uh, on short notice, change of plans, two races cramped together. That's not working to his advantage. He's the guy who eight, nine months out circles a date on a calendar and does everything to prep for that race. I have, yep. I've, I have three other takeaways from the men's race. You can tell me what you think of them. All right. And you can weigh in on each one of these. Cause I want to know your thoughts. My first takeaway Martin Hare might be a dude. What do you think? Might be a guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the definition here of a, of a dude is, but if it's someone we have to take seriously in the marathon for the years to come, I think that's very yeah, that's evident. Actually it, yeah. That's that's the definition. Yeah. You know, he's young enough. He's young enough now at, at just turned 28 to say, you know, with the next trials coming up in less than three years, he, you if he stays healthy and, you know, um, if he takes some of the focus off that that dang medical career, what is he doing? Wasting his time with that. Uh, no, running two hundred eight fifty nine and and uh, the confident breakaway. I know Drotty kind of mm -hmm. came back on him a little bit, but the confidence to break away uh, at whatever it was three or four miles to go was impressive. I think I heard Des Linden say, you know, on the on the broadcast, like you know, you have to you have to learn how to win. And he had never run a, won a marathon before, but he kind of seems to have that knack to just say, whatever, I'm just going to go for it. And he said in the interview, you know, it never really was, it, it got hard, but it was never like, he never was in over his head. It was you yeah. know, difficult. Um, you know, a skeptic, a cynic would say, oh, okay. I mean, do this, do this seven, eight years ago. How fast would have Ritz would have run? How fast would Abdi or Meb would have run on a situation like this? Obviously, we know this was the first time for anything like this. And yeah, they probably would have run as fast or faster, but that shouldn't take away that Hare has figured out this distance in, in three races. Um, and he, you know, you could make the argument that he's, you could certainly make the argument that he's the second best U.S. marathoner right now. I know he didn't mm -hmm. make the Olympic team, but that position is is up for grabs, certainly. And now he's run, you know, of, of active guys, active guys, he's run uh, the second fastest time. And uh, based on where, you know, he was a good, very good college runner. He's got the pedigree. I, mm -hmm. I, I, I could listen to that case. I'm not ready to say it myself yet, but I could listen to the case that he's the second best guy in the country right now after only three marathons. So, yes, that makes him absolutely a dude as you defined it. Yeah, I boil it down to, to three facts. One, he broke 209, which we know mm -hmm. is incredibly rare for an American to do. Two, the confidence with which he moved away at 35K was impressive. Leads me to believe he could go even quicker. And three, he's done this twice now. He overperformed at the trials, and then now he's run well in a time trial setup and beaten a lot of established names in the sport. That leads me to believe that He's a guy. It's not just a one race wonder. And then you go and you look back and you think, well, how did he do this? And you look, well, yeah, he was he was good at Syracuse. He was an All-American. He was seventh in the trials in the 10,000 in, in 2016. He's non-traditional in the sense of he's in med school right now. And it it is it's a, it's been a circuitous path to the to the marathon, but it all adds up and makes a ton of sense here. Um you know, this course, you're right. Taylor made to be fast. Historically, mm -hmm. would it have measured up if other people had the same opportunity? Doesn't matter because he's not racing against Ritz uh, or Meb. I mean, he's still racing against Abdi because he's going to race against Abdi until the sun crashes into the earth at some point. <laughs> but he's, but 
yeah, he's he can only race the guys he's racing against. So I think he 100 percent is. I thought that would the trials were not his debut. The trials was his no. Debut. He I I said that last week on the podcast. He had run a two thirteen uh, in uh, at some point either 2018 or 2019. So he he started oh, with a two. Th- you know, yeah. Um, he started with the two thirteen. Yeah. yeah, and then went to two eleven, and then. Yeah, Sacramento. No, so, um, I mean, three for three, good marathons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that brings me to my next takeaway, and you touched on it a little bit there, which is that the rest of the American men's top three is wide open because you could make an argument now for Hare to be in that top three. You saw what happened with Ward, although you could chalk 2020 up as a mulligan, but he certainly didn't separate mm-hmm. himself from everybody else. Fobble, the other guy we thought who would be – uh, on the Olympic team, he finished. He had a good race, uh, um, but finished fourth. So, you know, three guys beat him. And then you have guys like Drotti, who go 209-09, which is a big performance. Colin Benny, the other Syracuse runner, former Syracuse runner, 209-38. And then you have you know, Ian Butler out of nowhere, 209-45. Scott Smith, yeah. 209-46. Uh, Mick. Ayakofano, 209.55. Not necessarily the the NCAA Hall of Fame they're checking yeah. in. So I have no idea. If they reran the trials next year, I, I guess I'd be inclined to just say it's going to be Abdi and Jake Riley and, and Rupp again because I don't have any, have any clue um, who would finish in the top three. And then if you ask me about 2024 when – some of these guys are going to age out and there's another group that's coming in. There's just so many question marks here, Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rupp's the only, the only constant. Um, it does seem like hair as staying power. Um, just, you know, it's, it's difficult. Cause it's like, he's, it's so impressive what he's able to do. You know, I have two kids and I feel like it's the hardest job in the world. And he's also going to medical school and he's also running 120 mile weeks. And, you know, I'm, I'm a little short of, I'm a little short of that uh, 120 mile week range. And I haven't been in a hospital in several months, thank God. So um, it's, it's awfully in, impressive. And when, when somebody's doing it like that, you feel like, well, what's racing? That's just something that that's the easy part for him. Um, and, you know, we've done this too before where one good marathon you know, I think think back to whatever year it was with Ritz when he ran his 207 in Chicago. And it's like, he's figured the distance out. Here comes Ritz, yeah. you know, and obviously injuries get in the way and you're, you're bound to have a bad marathon. So obviously the jury's still out on everyone in the men's side besides Galen Rupp because Rupp's accomplished things. And, um, and, and you know, the, still for Martin Hare, the next race will be high stakes. Because if he yeah. has a bad one, it'd be like, well, see, the marathon's tough. He knew he was bound to get bit. Or we'll be anointing him as this next great thing. It's 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 a it's definitely a what have you done for me lately type of a thing. Um, but if you choose not to look at it simply through the prism, which I'm always tempted to do, of what does this mean for his Olympic prospects? Just mm-hmm. running 208 is obviously a tremendous big deal, and he's established himself as one of the best marathoners in, in U.S. history through three races. So, Yeah, but what about the rest of the field? I'm curious about the rest yeah. of the field because we had the deepest U.S. race 
in, in history here. We had yeah, seven guys yeah, 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 yeah. under Q10, and you can chalk that up to a lot of things. But who else other than Hare is okay. going to be in the mix in the coming years? That's what I'm asking. Oh, it's tough to say. Maybe two of them, maybe none of them. I mean, I tend to think Fobble because he's proven it. Girardi is was a 209-09 to get second is massively impressive. Can I say he's going to be a factor going forward? I mean, I can't affirm it. I can't say that without a doubt. Mm -hmm. You put this race at any point in the last decade in the U.S., and you're going to have this level of performance. It's not like this crop of guys is suddenly better than what we've seen. This was a product of the race we just had that's on a flat course that we never see in the U.S., where everybody's running in the same type of thing. I mean, first off, let's get it out of the way. Galen Rupp could have run 204 on this course, you know, if he had the Pacers. So there's there's not this, this isn't a big push where a bunch of guys are suddenly, oh, they're creeping closer. That, that's not it at all. That's not. This was an easy course, and a lot of guys ran fast on an easy course. And it's good to see that we can get a bunch of guys under 210. That's encouraging. But this doesn't change the way I think of the American men on mass like mm -hmm. it's it's this was the rare opportunity that when you run this like on a track this is what you're this is what you're going to get one of these guys is bound to be you know be a little bit of a breakout star whether that continues to be Fobble or if it's Drotty mm -hmm. or if it's Benny I don't know yet it's tough to tell um but yeah this wasn't some saying. it wasn't some revelation of a day that's like oh my gosh this is we're, we're that we're so much better than I realized because I don't think a guy like Ian Butler is is as all of a sudden a superstar. No offense to him, I mean it's just it's not really how it works. Um, this was a course on the level of a Dubai or a Berlin where the East Africans mm -hmm. run two hundred two. This is still yeah, yeah. seven minutes slower than that. Let's not try to jump up too much here. This was a big day for Martin Hare because uh, the way not necessarily just the time but the way he ran away from this field. But for the rest of the guys, it's a great moment. I would say most of them will never run faster in their lives, though. Wow, that was a Gordon level heat there. That was Gordon would you, level. Without you think the, a lot of these guys are going to run faster? The once, without the, I mean, maybe they, without the Sixers digression. No, I listen. I I told you, I texted you yesterday. I said, I, I don't think my opinion of American marathoning changed from before the day to after the day. The all time lists have been changed altered thrown out right there's so many you know, so many top 10 top 20 performances but yeah relative to the rest of the world i don't think it was a big shift what would have convinced me more that okay the u.s has come to play as opposed to you know nine guys or sorry seven guys breaking 210 if maybe two guys broke 208 or three yeah. guys broke 208 and the guys that broke it maybe were the guys we were more familiar with. So we'd put more stock in them moving forward. If it was, if Jared Ward ran 207.03, be like, oh, that's a, that's a big time run, right? He, he ran faster yeah. than Ritz ever did. Or if someone, someone had a, a, you know, a high 206 or something, but we didn't see that. We saw this big movement of depth, which makes me think you're right, that it was a product of just the circumstances of the race. However, however, I think there is something psychological to times. Often, it, that's often the case. Marty Hayer is now a 208 high marathoner. It's going to impact his mentality going into the next race. And this is how you see the times drop. But my, my, my other takeaway, my big takeaway was 
Galen Rupp could be the best American men's marathoner if he wanted to for the next 10 years. Because I don't <laughs> see anybody closing I don't see anybody closing the gap. There's him, no. there's half a mile, and then there's this this next group fighting for for what's next. I agree he would have gone incredibly quick on this course depending on how many pacers he had and how far they could go. I don't think 204 is outside the realm of possibilities. I'd probably go safe and put the line at like 205.30 or something like that as the over-under. But I just thought, hey, if Galen Up was watching this at home and was thinking about his prospects of being the best American at whatever marathon yeah. he decides to run, he was like, okay, I'm good. Yeah. Marty Hare, yeah. 208.59, cool. I'll see you. <laughs> I'll see you in Chicago. I'll see you at the trials in 2024, whenever. I don't think he was phased in the least by, by any of this. I think what would have spooked him would have been if some 23-year-old fresh out of college did something big or if a couple guys, right, known guys, jumped in there. Like if Leonard Career was in this race and Leonard Career mm -hmm. ran 206. Um, but but just that, ma that mass that's still at that 209 spot – Yes, that's the better than the mass being at 210 or 211, which is where we've seen it in the past. But that's not enough to, to dislodge Rupp. Not even close. Yeah, no, of course. And I think we could have all predicted that. I mean, obviously, that's that would have been an extraordinary not me, I moment. Believed. If, I believed. Um, you believed. I thought we were going to see something um, fast. No, I, I think... Yeah, I think Galen Rupp was comfortable probably turning this off at, at halfway when he saw it was at 64 or something. He's like, ah, that's not that big of a deal. There was also a, um, you know, a fundamental decision in this race, I think, with the way the pacing was, that the goal was to get a ton of guys running under 210. If the sure. goal, if they would have said, hey, if they wanted the race to look more like the women's race and maybe, maybe Martin Hare wouldn't have gone with this and maybe several other guys wouldn't have, maybe we could have seen a 207. Like maybe we always do this and mm -hmm. I, it can be a fool's errand, but if they say, Hey, by the way, there will be a pace group that's on 208, like, like 208 flat pace. Maybe mm -hmm. we could have had a, a 207, right? Two guys, maybe Drotty and, um, and hair would have felt good enough to go to go with that pace and and we would have come away with more as it was though the, clearly the mission of this was let's get a bunch of guys under 210 that's why you saw a first half that was fine but not anything spectacular you know you worried there for a second it's like oh my gosh they're gonna fall backwards and nobody's gonna break 210 like obviously that didn't happen but you know some of this was the product of i think very cautious very designed to let's have as many guys under 210 if that you mm -hmm. rerun this and you kind of get a better idea of who of what fitness people are in, um, I think you could have seen faster times. This was very much like, what does the reputation of this race want to be? It wants to be like a site where a bunch of guys join the top ten list. That's not yeah. going to be anything you're going to tell your grandkids about. But it is, it's it's nice to see a bunch of these American guys now with respectable PRs. Well, yeah, but and it's noteworthy that you had Valencia, which was basically the Kenyan and Ethiopian and Euro the European equivalent to this, where mm -hmm. you could almost say 204 became 202 or 205 became mm -hmm. 203. What, however you want to splice it, it's fine with you. And then this race, you know, 211 became 209 or 212 mm -hmm. became 210. You saw that same thing, but you, you're, you're keeping up with you're keeping up with the Joneses here, basically. Mm -hmm. Like that, you're you're still a little bit behind. I think we're all also biased by the fact that, you know, who are the three best 
marathoners of for the U.S. in the current era, or four: Ryan Hall, Rupp, Meb, and Ritz. Correct? I think we'd all agree on that mm-hmm. for the men. Yeah. Right. All of them were absolute stars in college. Yeah. Right. All of them yeah. went to college and were multiple-time All-Americans and took home titles, you know, won NCAA championships. So I think when we're looking for the next person, we're looking for the person who's, you know, winning NCAA titles and then going to the marathon. And in Hall's case, it was at a very early age that he did it. So you'd say, well, Grant Fisher, why isn't he in the marathon? Like that's the person you're looking at as as someone who can be the two oh the 206 person, the two, even the 205 person. And the stories of the people who were mid-pack collegiate runners are awesome, right? But we haven't seen that yet translate into, on the men's side, into being in that top tier, right? Meb, NCAA champion. Hall, NCAA champion. Ritz, NCAA champion. Rupp, NCAA champion. They were clearly, clearly on, a, on another level, and then they decided to become marathoners yeah i mean i do think that's why you're encouraged also by marty Hare because no he wasn't an NCAA champion but he was you know he wasn't a mid-pack guy you know he was a big right, part right. i think he was their number, yeah. he was their number two or number three guy on their championship team in 2015 he was a sub four miler uh i think had run low 1330s in the five no that's not galen rupp um mm-hmm. or any of those other guys you mentioned but he was good enough in college where you're like, well, there's some speed there that he's going to be able to capitalize mm-hmm. on and maybe be a factor when he really gets into his, his into his le- you know, gets into his groove as a as a professional marathoner. That maybe he's somebody that can finish top three at a major one day, not now, but maybe at some point. Um, and so that that's why you're most encouraged. I don't want to take. I mean, there are the random Nick Simmons in you know situations where you get a D three guy that comes into a star. So I don't want to just say because. Noah Girardi was a D3 guy that he can't be a star, but you're right. The guys who have historically been there are, are the guys who were awesome on the track and, and uh, in college and cross country as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, for that, then we're waiting on, you know, we're wearing, we're waiting on Eric Jenkins to become a marathoner, which I don't know when that will be. Uh, we're waiting on, even though he didn't win a title, but he's clearly going to be a marathoner, Tyler Day, who ran 13, whatever it was, 13, 16 uh, indoors. You know, mm-hmm. um, it does, it's, it's kind of feels like we're always waiting for these guys, but we, you have to remember that w- two things. I mean, a career as prolonged and as successful as Rupp is rare. And then with like a Ryan Hall, going to the marathon that early is also rare. So right, right, right. Um, yeah. you end up most frequently with these guys, these second tier guys that, that, that have no other choice but to go to the marathon. And then you kind of hope one of them pans out. And one of them may be panning out right now in hair. But yeah, you're right. The limitations are clearly by the fact that most people in the US do not go to the marathon uh, until mm-hmm. they're, they're completely washed out of the track. Yeah, well, and you just look at 10K PBs and you say, okay, in order to run a 207 marathon, what is your 10K PB? need to be? What does your 5k PB need to be? Obviously that's mm-hmm. not the end all be all. Those are not destiny, but that gives you a pretty good indication of, yeah. of a range of, a range of possible outcomes. And can you write, can you rise to the level of being a really good marathoner in the United States? Yeah, absolutely. We've seen that time and, and time again. I remember Brian Sell was 
somebody who made an Olympic team who yeah. you know, was not was you know had a very modest high school career. But but when you're when when you're talking about times that are going to contend for major marathon victories and you see what is happening Kenya and Ethiopia, it's uh it's a different ball game. Now I will say this though. The U.S. running and getting a whole bunch of 209s, I mean, it definitely, okay, whatever. We didn't make up any ground. The United States didn't make up any ground on Kenya and Ethiopia. But in terms of the race for who the third or fourth best is, I think the United States is right in there with a bunch of other countries. And it certainly helps to have to have that depth. I know that's not really encouraging when you go to major marathons and Ethiopia and Kenya swamp the top 10 but it's just something to keep in mind if you take if you take out those two if you take out the lakers and the clippers lincoln the spurs probably yeah. can make the western conference playoffs but if you if you take if you if you remove them from the equation um you know getting guys in 209 208 is a, a good result yeah i mean we're if we're waiting for the days where we're just all of a sudden going to have america on the same level as ethiopia and kenya in the marathon you're going to be waiting a lifetime and more it's just like when it when is the U.S. men's national team in, in soccer? When are we going to be as good mm -hmm. as Brazil, Russia, and and um, you know Russia. Spain? It's you're going to be. I, I don't know. Russia. I'm taking us over uh, Germany. Russia. Sorry, I meant Germany. There I meant go. Germany. There you go. Brazil, Germany, and uh, and Spain. Sorry. Um, you know you're going to be waiting right. forever. That's just that's just not. You can't make the comparison for whatever reason. You talk about development at the youth level. You talk about. Um, you know, going to the marathon earlier, you, you know, being at altitude, this, that, and whatever. Um, it's just not going to happen, but we can kind of look at the bubble within the U.S. running and say, these guys have the possibility to, you know, continue to progress. And maybe one day they end up running 206 and being one of the best in U.S. history. And that's, that's good enough. That's something to be excited yeah. about. And, um, you know, Jared Ward's not, no offense, but he's not a superstar and he got sixth at the Olympics. Is that too much mm -hmm. of an ask for somebody like Martin Hare down the road? No, absolutely not. So, mm -hmm. Uh, there's plenty to get excited about just on the fact that, oh, oh, oh no, you know, no one's, no one's coming up on Galen Rupp's shoulders. Well, did we, we didn't expect that, but, uh, you know, that's probably, that may never happen in us history, but the, there was some things to be encouraged here. There were some things to still be like, uh, you know, we're, we're trying to, you're trying to make me get excited about seven guys running 209 or whatever it was. It's not always easy to do, but, but overall, I just look at what hair did and, and that kind of, you know, keeps me going. It's, I mean, I'm excited for him. <laughs> you're a U.S. marathon fan. I like it. I like that Super about fan. you. Okay. Yeah. So now you're ready to talk about the shoes? I was oh. Kidding. I just want to see your face. Yeah. <laughs> um, two, are, two are the things I want to touch on, though. Two other things I want to touch on. Uh, Noah Drotti's finish, where he vomited just a couple steps nice. across the line, was amazing. And I wanted to give a tip of cap to him. Yeah, it looked like he had been fueling with, like, surge. You remember that, like, like bio <laughs> biohazard? biohazard fuel that we used to drink yeah. in the 90s uh yeah right across the line i think i saw rory linkletter also you know went to the puke right over but no you know it it's uh i i, I live for that i love that that i love the, the puke right right across the line you know it's just you're you're able to hang in there you're trying you're kicking down for the win and then you take a step across and it's just like body release um there's mm -hmm. something I don't know why it, it probably because it's not like actual food. It's just like gels and, and, and liquid, but there's something that it's, it's not gross to me. I just enjoy it. I'm just mm -hmm. like, yes, that guy put it all out there. And now somebody else has to clean that up. That's just, I don't know. They're, that just, it excites me for whatever reason. Uh, it's, 
Yeah, and in, in a marathon, it can go either direction. So when it comes out that way, you're like, okay, that's yeah. not that bad. Yeah. But, yeah. but you don't you don't see it that much. That's a lot more common, I feel like, in the five or the mile or something where someone mm -hmm. just just gets across the line and then immediately starts puking. In a marathon, to, no, to sell, I mean, the control to be able to hold that because that means that was right there for what the last probably a long twenty time. minutes. 10 minutes, yeah, probably. something like that. It's a probably. long time to have it right there. And he just let it go. Man. Might have been burping up goo, you know, for the last 20 minutes. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. It fits him. It fits his aesthetic pretty well. The long hair, the mustache. Uh, mm. It, you know, it's kind of a rock star finish. That said, you're probably never going to see Elliot Kipchoge vomit across the line. Some people are just able to hide it a little bit better. Um, but I like this though. I like this. I, prefer I like this. it. Yeah. He gave it, he obviously gave it his all, right. You know, he yeah. was dealing with indigestion and just the pain of running, uh, you know, a two or two plus minute PR for, yeah. for a long time. You know, it was cool. We'll remember That's it what for you a while want. for sure. Exactly. Everybody has the fist pump across the finish line photo. His is much more iconic. And if anybody asks him, Hey, did you have any regrets about your race? Do you, do you wish you got first? And you're like, of course I wish I got first. But look, look at this photo. I literally did everything I could. I yeah. vomited as soon as I stepped across the line. I mean, it's just, it's just an epic finish. I think it's great. Um, it was cool. as someone who yeah, threw up cool. a couple times. I, I was not a every race puker, but I puked several times um, during my running career, and I always felt really satisfied with those races. Like those were the ones where I was like, okay, well, that was it. That was all I could Did do. I could. Yeah. Yeah. I imagine getting rid of that, crossing the finish line with a massive PB felt pretty good. Like there's some, yeah. you know, a lot of people say, oh, you'll feel better if you throw up. Well, this was definitely a lot of, you know, the, the, nothing like a PB vomit. Yeah. Uh, the other thing I wanted to add to this is because, you know, you and I have done commentary before. We We know – we know that game a little bit. You've commentated a marathon before. I've never commentated a marathon before, but <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of criticism that goes along with it. And uh, I just want to give a tip of the cap. I thought Desilina was really good in, in her oh, role yeah. as, a, as a commentator. And wow. uh, I say that not that I'm surprised because the couple occasions I've had to interview uh, Lyndon, she's always great and very introspective, but that's a tough job. And it's really tough the first time you do it, and they were probably doing it remotely. So mm -hmm. I just wanted to say I was impressed by how well she did. Yeah, yeah, and it can sound patronizing. I'm not that you're intending it, but it can come off patronizing when you're like, "Wow, a a multiple time Olympian, a someone who's run dozens of marathons, or not dozens, you know, she's run over ten marathons, uh, is good at commentating marathons." But no, I mean, look back in the NBA, Magic Johnson, a horrific commentator there's been other guys you know people who are good at the in the field of play bad when a microphone gets in her face and i uh, know she was the opposite you know giving you a real good indication of um you know i think the, the it's cool to listen to her in the latter miles talk about like well yeah. what are they feeling it's like oh, they're, they're hurting but it's a it's a comfortable hurt you know and, and it's yeah. and uh you know talking about what it's like to be new to the marathon and to to um you know the racing aspect of it with where Drotty yeah. was and you know she wasn't saying it's over it's over there was no extraordinary things but you know she made it she made it really really interesting i thought to listen to so i would agree with that wholeheartedly yeah i like it when they 
when they treat the audience like they know what they are tuned in for. Because listen, mm-hmm. this was the marathon project in December. You weren't stumbling across this on your dial. You were you're yeah. in it because you really you really yeah. know marathoning or at least are very interested in it. So I like it when they, you know, they do it like other major sports. You know, they're not explaining, you know, the intricacies of a of, of yeah, a touchdown is seven points here uh lincoln they, they don't do that in in football broadcast yeah. six and the extra points this is why i couldn't commentate football i screwed that up but yeah. they assume a general baseline of knowledge and i thought she did that and she worked off of it and also she was funny when she said my favorite thing to do is run and my second favorite thing to do is talk about people behind their back so this was a perfect job for me yeah. that's a good line that's a good line uh that is that's nice it's you, you feel like she's telling the truth there. Um, not that that's not my sec- probably my second th- favorite thing to do as well. Maybe my first favorite thing to do because, you know, me and running, we're kind of on the outs right now. So, um, yeah, and I think also, you know, it was addition by subtraction in the sense that there wasn't the discussions the whole time about the shoes. So, the, you know, that was that was a pleasant Mm-hmm. situation it made it more about the athletic performance and i understand that marty hare was wearing the new adidas shoes and other athletes would have been wearing nikes and this that and the other but um you know sarah hall was in a6 uh the no Adrati was in Saucony shoes you know the, the nature is healing at this point right we we don't have to make everything about one pair of shoes or two pair of shoes i didn't hear any shoe takes after did i just look at the wrong Websites? I did not hear no, any. No, no, but I think you certainly could have applied the fact that so many guys broke two ten to some of the shoes, right? I mean that you know no. But why are we not? Talk, are history. we not? Are we not talking because, about it because it's all spread out because now amongst the different 50s. brands? Okay. I don't know. I, I, that's a good question. Um, or the shoes are now all equal, or it wasn't a fifty-seven four guys didn't break right. fifty-eight minutes in the half marathon. Um, I'm not sure. I think you can certainly say that some of the product of um, so many guys running that fast was, you know, there's some benefits to the shoes. Maybe these guys that we never heard of would never have broken 210 without it. But, um, you know, Elliot Kipchoge wouldn't have broken two hours if not for the shoes as well, you know. So um, I'm, I'm, I've never had a problem with it, you know. So, yeah, I think the times, the times that they're comparable to previous eras you know, yeah. No, I, 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 you come off looking like an idiot if you take, if you are blowing up on Twitter about however many guys it was breaking two ten. Th- th- this is ruining the sport. I mean, that's just that would be a dumb thing. So I think that's probably why. But I certainly think they they played a part. But you know what? Uh, you know, the the materials on a basketball jersey being more comfortable than they were in 1960 also <laughs> play a part in in you know the basketball being better. So I, I've never had a problem with it. But I just I, I expected there to be minimal to no, no conversation in the broadcast about it. And, uh, you know, that was the way it was. And that, that, that's yeah. good. I think we can see that, that there is no magic. There's no longer going to be um, anybody in Nike shoes. I think this has been disproven. And, and it wasn't all that long ago where we were worried at the trials. Why, the mm-hmm. fact that Nike is handing out the alpha flies. Are we just going to see... Mm-hmm. All the people wearing alpha flies, miles at not miles ahead, but you know, finishing <laughs> one through ten, and and then everybody yeah. else trailing behind. Well, that's been disproven. You know, the technology and other brands has has been proven to be close, if not as good. And we can kind of rest knowing that one brand is not ruining the the sport. And I think even within this small window of ten months, 
Uh, because think mm-hmm. of the hysteric hysteria back at Atlanta before the race. There was some serious yeah. like concern. Um, there was you a secret investigative room. reporting. You did literally yeah, yeah, investigative exactly. reporting. Exactly. Um, and now that's shifted to where it's like we're not. We don't have to talk about what Nike's yeah, yeah. doing. You know, it's it's it, it's 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 good to see. It seems like, and I was not as focused on their shoes this race. I'll admit it, and maybe that's because Sarah Hall wasn't wearing them, and the camera was on her a lot of the time. Um, Sarah Hall wasn't wearing. Well, she was in flies. carbon, though. I mean, she's in carbon. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying alpha yeah. flies. I'm saying it seemed yeah, like yeah, fewer yeah. people seem like fewer people are wearing alpha flies. They're wearing vapor flies. I didn't see a ton. It, it were vapors Instead. and yeah, I didn't see it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And maybe it was just because I was looking in the wrong places because Hare was in Adidas and Drotty was in Saucony and Hall was in Asics. But it doesn't to to me. People seemed okay, not okay with the vapor flies. They still were going to be up in arms about them. But it was the Alpha flies because they're even higher that seemed yeah. to be the, the 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 bridge that people were not willing to cross anymore. Like when Elliot kept doing that picture came out of Kipchoge before Vienna. People are like, oh, this is this is bad. This is it. This is horrible. And I don't know. People aren't running in them as much. I don't know. It's just because they don't find them as as comfortable or, or or what. But I don't know if that's part of it. But I think more – I think yeah, you're I right. Know. The and, times you know, are fast, but not eye-popping. Yeah, D'Amato was in, in Vaporflies, but – not you know i didn't there maybe there wasn't i don't know what the situation was with alpha flies um because a lot mm. of people like them i don't know why they weren't more prevalent in this race but um maybe there were and we just missed them i'm not sure but mm-hmm. we'll see just the end Your of the alpha investigative fly? report yeah. <laughs> yeah did alpha flies make themselves obsolete my column mm-hmm. check it out i yeah. i mean the, the adidas shoe is getting a lot of pub I'll just say this. I nope. mean, it yeah. did really good. It did it did good in Valencia, and then Hair Hair won in them. So, um, and it's not like Hair was gonna, you know, it's not like he was the the favorite in this race going in. So, no. um, some some good pub there for them. All right, we'll leave it there. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. That is the marathon project recap. The last big race of. 2020 we will be back tomorrow where we will begin our end of the year in review thank you to alan for producing thank you to you lincoln from the woodshed Mm. for joining me we'll talk to you guys tomorrow